Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Howdy. You're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. A small town in Texas, a friendly mortician, a rich widow, murder. Do all these things add up to a comedy starring Jack Black? Only in the mind of Texas independent filmmaker Richard Linklater. This week, we look at a Texas story so strange that it must be true. The 2011 film, Bernie. But first, in the spirit of Bernie, what is your favorite hymn from the movie? Um, I really like his performance, and it's not in the movie for very much. Um, it's just in one scene where... Uh, Jack Black is singing with the congregation of the church, but it's Blessed Assurance. Oh, man. I was, all week I was walking around, after I watched this movie, all week I was walking around, this is my story, this is my song, praising <laughs> my a Savior hymn. all the day yeah. long. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful hymn, yeah. and just Jack Black has got such an amazing voice, and oh. just him singing it as Bernie in oh, it that was, context. It was a total earwig for really me, good. and probably uh, one of the ones I'd pick. Personally, I think like Amazing Grace, one of my favorite songs. I have a deep connection to that. So, uh, and I, and it's a great comedy moment. You know when he scoots to the front of the <laughs> with a horrible eulogy to cover it with a round of Amazing Grace. <laughs> yeah, because there's no piano player at the funeral. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm going to go with the one that's in the very beginning of the movie, and he actually sings almost all the song through the through the as he's driving through Carthage. It's, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. So it is a very much a a a southern gospel arrangement of that classic hymn song. So it's a great song, great arrangement, and he's he's such a great singer. It's just a good scene. Spoiler alert for today's episode: Go watch Bernie. It's a great film. Yes. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Pause the podcast right now, go watch it, it's on Netflix, and then come back. We'll give you a right. second. So, Mike, how was your week? <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie is the true story of an affable, friendly, roly-poly mortician and Sunday school teacher in the tiny East Texas town of Carthage who befriended an elderly, rich widow who nobody liked. In 1999, he shot her in the back with a rifle and hid her body in a freezer for nine months while they gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars of her money. The twist on this story is that Bernie Tita was so well-liked by the town and even loved, and the victim was so roundly hated that the prosecutor had to change venues to a town an hour away to ensure that he could get a jury that might convict the killer. Yeah, I mean, it's been an historic uh, reality that you know defense attorneys often get the venue for a trial changed because they feel that their defendant won't get a um, a real honest trial because all the jurors in that area are biased it's practically unheard of for the <laughs> prosecution for the state to move uh, the the venue because they think that the the they won't get a conviction. defendant won't get convicted the story was the subject of a Texas Monthly article by Skip Hollinsworth, and 13 years after the event, this ironic story of the town that supported a murderer 
was made into a dark comedy by Texas filmmaker Richard Linkletter. In the past, we've talked about Richard Linkletter's classic film, Days to Confuse, which featured Matthew McConaughey in his breakout role. This time, Linkletter enlisted Jack Black, who had starred in his film School of Rock, to play the title role of Bernie Tide. McConaughey, who also worked with Linkletter in The Newton Boys, plays Danny Buck Davidson, the Panola County District Attorney who prosecutes Bernie. And the legendary Shirley MacLaine was cast as Marjorie Nugent, the rich widow who Bernie befriended. Now, the rest of the cast is a mix of local actors and real people, some of whom actually knew Bernie. The film is shot with a hybrid documentary style. There's a conventional narrative interspersed with interviews with these quote-unquote locals as they gossip about Bernie and the murder. Uh, The result is a quirky, droll comedy with a distinctly Texan flair. I mean, this is, of all movies featuring Texans, this is one of the most Texan in its character, I think. Yeah, I I told my wife this this movie is East Texas through and through. Um, Yeah, I mean, we we talked in length in uh, our discussion of Dazed and Confused how that, while it also, while Dazed and Confused kind of encapsulates Austin, or encapsulates all small-town life, kind of, suburban life. It was very specifically Texan to those who, you know, lived and grew up in Texas. And this film, Bernie, these local people, you could drive to any small town in Texas probably and find uh, people just like this there. I think think it's, you know, Linklater, uh, in a lot of his other works, especially his first works like Slacker, there's this focus on sort of these, this idea of, characters and their stories and he manages through this story to like every person who gets any amount of screen time there's just so many little details that are not even Mm -hmm. stated and said that just give so much reality and and depth to it so you know it's an incredible little little film that uh, you know, Netflix has recommended for years and I just have kind of ignored it yeah so apologies because this was a gem (laughs) Right, so the story, the movie actually is structured, it sort of starts off back when Bernie comes into town, or he's actually been in town, and it's a mix of scenes with Bernie, like interacting with the townspeople, and then the townspeople talking about Bernie. So the the mortician who he works for, the head mortician, uh, funeral director, talks about when he when he started with with the the company and about the things that made him strong he's a, he's he's wonderful with the with the families and he's a, he sings like a bird but he's really great at selling coffins and <laughs> making the sale uh, and then it proceeds through that is that's the buildup for his relationship with Marjorie and then sort of the structure become the focus becomes like that relationship with Margie how it starts off that they're they, be, you know, he, bef- she, he befriends her, even though she's a rotten old lady. Oh, she's a rotten essentially, lady. yeah, she's essentially her character from Still Magnolias, uh, um, Wheezy, except worse, without any redeeming qualities. Yeah. And and how their relationship, they become friends, and then they start to be, they become companions, and they become traveling companions, and of course, the people in town gossip about. So the the gossip about their relationship is it. Is it more than just friends? Is right. it romantic? Is it well? Uh, uh, the, I'm going to stop and, you there, Sean, and say you know the thing that's a question they bring in they bring in early, as yeah. and is is the sex, Bernie's sexuality, and right. there's you know uh, we know now that he is he was in fact a deeply closeted homosexual, uh, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things of it's one of those you know 
we'll get to the whole thing about this is where the South begins, but it's one of those sort of Southern things where there's the the idea of the confirmed bachelor sort of, you know, that there are people of the town who are sort of accepted in their eccentric lifestyle. As long right, as right, right, but but, but yeah. you know he uh, he's he's a leader at church. He's a leader in the community. He works hard. Yeah. He sponsors all. You know he works or does all this great stuff for the community, including the Central Park of Carthage uh, Christmas decorations committee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, and we'll talk a little bit of that. Like, I think there was there was there was something there was an undercurrent about that um, about the sexuality of Bernie and and. I felt like the film somewhat focused on Danny Buck seeming to be a homophobe because he really harped on, on the gay aspect of Bernie and and the rest of the town just was kind of either in denial about it. Several people, oh, he's so religious, he's so, he loves Jesus so much, he couldn't be gay. To like just kind of blasé. You know what? It's a, like you said, he's a confirmed bachelor. It's okay. It, yeah. it doesn't really bother us, you know. Or just well, I just thought he was celibate. Well, no, in <laughs> one of the, there's that note. Uh, one of the notes that you guys made uh, here, I uh, love it. Well, our Lord and Savior wore sandals, and he was never married. Why, well, even had 12 <laughs> friends that he always ran around with, and none of them were married. You know. Right, that was that was Kay, and she has the be- some of the best lines in the movie. She's really one of the best characters. She she later tells him in, in prison, "I told him you were temp- you had temporary insanity. Hell, we all go insane every- <laughs> in the end." I know. There's a there's <laughs> but, an, uh, yeah, but. But I think that, but yeah, the the thing is, is you know, growing up in East Texas, you know, there there were the confirmed bachelors, and but it was like there's a deep deep closeting of people as well. So it's just interesting that like it seemed like that was a focus for the Danny Buck mm-hmm. character, but the town had such an interesting range of progression of acceptance or denial towards it, and it and it didn't seem to be a factor mm-hmm. in his character, mm-hmm. although it's pretty obvious when you see him. He is. He's a closeted man. So yeah. Um, you speaking of favorite characters in this film. Um, I think all three of us really enjoy the character of uh, Sonny Carl Davis, um, who sits in a bar or diner. He's a diner. With, yeah. A diner with his uh, cap on. That's got the the come and take Woo. it. Uh, not our come and take it logo, but the uh, traditional Texas come and take it flag on on the the front of the cap, and um, he's got a nice little. Um, encapsulation of Texas <laughs> and uh, how it could be divided up into parts. And how would that go? Um, well, he says, Carthage is in East Texas, and that's totally different from the rest of Texas, which could be five different states, actually. you got your West Texas out there with a bunch of flat ranches. Up north, you got them Dallas snobs with their Mercedes. And then you got Houston. Uh, I like to call the carcinogenic coast is what I call it. All, I'm going to redo that sentence. And then you got Houston, the carcinogenic coast is what I call it, all the way up to Louisiana. Then down south, San Antonio, that's where the Tex meets the Mex, like the food. And then in central Texas, you got the People's Republic of Austin with a bunch of hairy-legged women and liberal fruitcakes. Of course, I uh, left out the panhandle, and a lot of people do, but... Carthage is where the South begins. This is life behind the pine curtain, and truth be known, it's a good place. <laughs> and I mean, it's just I didn't really do it justice because yeah. the his delivery is just spot on, small town well, Texas, and it's just it's it's a beautiful, beautiful. Well, I thing. looked it up. Sonny <laughs> is a local actor in Austin, so if there's anybody in Austin who's listening to this and knows 
Sonny Davis, you shake that man's hand. You yeah. shake it good, and you tell him that yeah. uh, we salute him and his wonderful <laughs> hat. Yeah. yeah. So, so to get back to the story and the plot of the movie, so it progresses through the relationship with Marjorie and Bernie, and she gradually becomes more and more controlling of his life uh, to the point where he, he kind of go quits his job and just becomes her personal assistant. She gives him power of attorney, but she just becomes more and more jealous of of his other activities and his other friends and, well, not, and everything. And not to mention, she also like writes her own children and grandchildren out of the will. Yeah, and, and gives all her money and to so him. She says, so Bernie is going to stand to inherit like $10 million when this old bat right. dies. Right. But she's just miserable. Right. And so you know, her, her accountant is, is not a fan of Bernie and thinks that he's, he's mooching off of her. And um, eventually... Bernie sort of he snaps and he he gets a gun and from all the abuse that she heaps on him and and the the just the rage and the jealousy and he snaps he gets a, gets the rifle a 22 rifle that they use to shoot at armadillos and shoots her in the back in the garage so they're about to go get Mexican food and then he panics and he he ends up uh she he does something and it's a little bit into the movie before you find out what he does but. He essentially goes around town pretending that she has had a stroke and she's gone to a nursing home. In Temple. And he, in Temple, right. And even to her sister, he tells this and, and he starts giving away her money. And he's but he doesn't like he doesn't use he doesn't buy a new house for himself. He doesn't buy a new car. He goes buys other people's cars. He buys <laughs> he builds a, a prayer wing for the church. He builds uh, he adds to the airport because he's an amateur pilot. He he's he essentially gives away what was it like nine hundred thousand dollars? Almost a million dollars. He gave away almost a million dollars to everyone in the town, if I remember it correctly. Yep. Right. And, but he also the you know they uh, they have in the second half of the movie where they they do a lot of these interstitial like direct interviews with people. So they're talking to his defense attorney, who in and of his is a character in and of himself. If you look up like the, the real guy on on to read about him, (laughs) but uh, you know, he makes the point like, you know, he didn't keep anything. He didn't spend, he still had, he was behind on his car payments. And even before all this happened, there's all this character building that talks about who Bernie is before all this happens. And he would buy gifts for everybody. If people needed something, he'd give them the shirt off his back. Like, or he'd, he'd go to a store and buy 50 of something and then just give them away. He was he was kind of an obsessive sh- like he had that obsessive shopperness combined with like right. extreme generosity, right? So in the end, Margie's family as well as her accountant rattled enough cages with the sheriff and and with other people where they finally put two and two together that nobody's seen Marjorie in months in nine months, and they finally get a warrant to go into or they finally break into her house basically search the place. And they end up finding her body in a deep freezer. <laughs> and she has been put into the deep freeze. And so they go and arrest Bernie. And he immediately confesses everything and says that he just panicked and she was so mean. And he shot her and then he didn't know what to do with her. And he put her in the freezer so that eventually he could give her a decent burial. Well, Because everybody deserves a good burial. Well, I just enjoyed I got I like um, got a text from Scott right before because we're all watching this movie at different point. We weren't watching it together and at, Sean and I had already seen it. And then there's this text comes from <laughs> Scott that says like, yeah, tape around the freezer is a real bad sign. 
it's like nobody nobody tapes their freezer yeah. shut uh, for a good reason. <laughs> they find Marjorie's body in the freezer, um, and then they're like, "Well, what are we gonna do?" You know, it's like they everybody knows who they think probably did it because nobody else had spent any amount of time with this woman, right? Um, so they start their manhunt to find Bernie, and uh, there's a nice little scene where um, Matthew McConaughey as uh, Buck is talking to the media, and he's he doesn't name the suspect, but he's like, we're going to look for him, and we're going to find him, and they think, you know, anybody in their right mind would try and, and run, right? Well, they find Bernie... Where, where were Mexican like, restaurant, restaurant. At the Mexican restaurant, the, hanging out with the team. softball team. The kids, he, was, he was giving trophies <laughs> little to league the team. little league team, yeah, because he sponsored them. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he's just going about his business, and so they, they take him in, and they start talking to him, and then he just confesses the whole thing, yeah. right? He's like, you know, and he kind of describes it as... He was mean. It's a wonderful scene with Jack Black where he completely breaks down emotionally, and he's like, you know, you could... He very much plays up the whole, I didn't kind of an out-of-body type thing, right? It's like it's some other person was doing this. This mm-hmm. was not me that did this. But basically, he confesses to the yeah. whole thing. And uh, But the town's reaction is, you know, kind of bizarre. Well, <laughs> it's like they... It's the, everybody. They don't. They can't believe that he would do such a thing because he's Bernie, right? And so everyone defends him. And the whole time, uh, the you know the uh, prosecutor Buck is like, "Hey guys, you understand that he confessed, right?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know that he just said he well, did it. Right. And they're like, "Yeah, well that's okay. Nobody liked her anyway." Well, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. it's basically if the sentiment it, of the townspeople. Yeah. If he did it. Then she must have deserved. Well, I want to point out one. Yeah. There's a and when you're watching this, and hopefully you pause the podcast and you watched it, and you come back and you joined us fresh. But there's a little detail that's really true. They actually took the when they found the freezer, they took the freezer with her body in it, and they put it on the back of just a borrowed steak bed truck. And these two yeah. good old boys get in it and they drive it. There's a generator strapped to that truck. That's true. They they strapped a generator to the back of a truck. They put the freezer on it. And they're basically just drive until you get to Dallas. Like they drove it straight to <laughs> yeah. the to the Dallas forensic <laughs> office. And it's it's but look on a Google map it. Carthage to Dallas. That's two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah. I mean like yeah. three like and this was on the interstate. So there's somebody driving in a truck with a dead body strapped <laughs> just like literally the come along strapped yeah. it to yeah. the back of this junky yeah. steak bed yeah. truck. Yeah. But you know that this whole concept that the the town is almost a hundred percent on Bernie's side, I think, is best encapsulated in two different scenes. And I think I don't remember if they're back to back, but they're very close mm-hmm. to each other. Um, there's a scene where Buck is sitting in the diner eating lunch, and he's got uh, uh, Sonny's in that scene. Sonny's in that scene. Sonny's on one side of him. Uh, K in the other one. A, wasn't no, no, it was the it was no, the it was scrawny okay. smoking. Oh lady. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lady so it's like Sunny on one side, this other lady on the other side, and they're going back and forth on either side of him. Um, he's saying, "Look, you know, he confessed. He did it. You know, um, he belongs behind bars." And they're like, "Well, you know, this is the part where they're saying, you know, she probably deserved it, and you know, it's not a big deal. It's Bernie, you know." Um, there's another scene where they're in church. You know, small town church. This is the same church that Bernie had given. You know, hundred thousand dollars or more to yeah, and he was help a, pay for a new 
new prayer wing on the church. He was the music leader at this church. He was the music leader at the church. And uh, the preacher is up in the pulpit talking about forgiveness and how Bernie needs their support. And uh, pray for Bernie. Buck Buck is sitting there in the pew with his family, like looking around at these people that he's in church with, and he's like, "What? What is going on here?" And then and then it cuts to uh, you know everyone leaving the church, and uh, Buck stops and talks to the preacher, and he's like, "You know, I understand forgiveness and all of that, and and you know praying for people that need it, but it's like." But you, you could at least take him off like the prayer list at the church, right? It's like you're you're basically supporting a, a murderer here, a felon. Yeah. And uh, you know, and the preacher's like, I gotta stay neutral. Yeah. Neutral. Uh, and it's just neutral. It, and it's just the uh, the you know the uh, complete lack of belief on uh, Matthew McConaughey's face that these people, yeah. the preacher even, are being so vocal in their support for a confessed murderer. It's just, it's amazing to watch this well, performance. Yeah, so as we, you, go ahead. Bob. I know I was going to say, like, look, I mean, er, we're talking for the last couple of minutes here about everyone in this town thought Bernie was nice. But let me tell you the truth about little towns. Small town Texas especially. Like, that woman was mean. That woman was born hateful <laughs> and spiteful. And everyone in that town knew yeah. it, and nobody liked her. So it wasn't just that people thought Bernie's this wonderful guy, which he was a great guy. It seemed they make him seem like a wonderful guy in the movie, but she was a stone yeah. pain in the neck. Like no, she was a, yeah. a, a capital yeah. B, uh, as someone would say. She just nobody liked yeah. her, and it's, so they were all. You know, yeah. I think in a way, like that town was glad she was dead. Um, there's a couple of interesting quotes from Linkletter about the movie uh, concerning the gossip. Um, there's one of them. He says. Uh, it hit me that Bernie's in prison and unable to talk, so a lot of the story was refracted through everybody in the town. It reminded me of small-town gossip. In small towns, you're defined by your city. If everyone thinks you're rotten, guess what? You're rotten. If everybody thinks you're nice, you're nice. It's a popularity contest. So, like you said, the character of the small town, they kind of decided the their own narrative for how things were going to be portrayed. Yeah. Um, and he also said uh, the gossip element al- almost kept the film from being made because it reads boring. I said, but there'll be funny characters. You're limited to your imagination. I could just imagine the accents. I said, I want people to smile every time these characters come back like they're people you like running into. And like I said, you know, just like in Days to Confused and you saw those people and thought, yeah, I knew those people. Um, <laughs> the people they have portraying these townsfolk oh. are very it, extremely it authentic. Was, yeah, and having having a Texas director who grew up in, in small town Texas, he knows these characters. He know he he doesn't know these people, but he knows these types and he knows those accents that he wants to hear. And so it takes that type of leap to know yeah, there's a there's a little old, there's an old lady, as there's a 50-year-old lady who looks 70 and she's got a cigarette dangling out of her mouth the entire time. Oh. And she's yeah. sitting next to a pregnant lady. Yeah. And I think it's and I think it's really amazing. You know, it, it speaks to the uh, the ability of the actors that both mm. Jack Black and McConaughey. Well, McConaughey comes by it naturally, but it really speaks to Jack Black's abilities that he blends right into this whole small town character. He was you know, he was. Let's just take a break out here and let's talk about Jack Black for a minute because I think that's a good <clears throat> segue, Scott. Jack Black was magical in this film. Like, I really thought, as most critics did, that his Jack Black shtick was going to pull you right out of the film. 
especially with so much singing, because I'm used to him from, you know, Tenacious D and the stuff he did on Mr. Show and all that kind of, you know, he's, he's got this just his, his thing. And uh, no, he was, he was really sincere and honest. And at first, like it took a few minutes, but then I was not watching Jack Black. I was watching Bernie on the screen. So I kudos to you, Jack Black. And this is not a this is a comedy, but this is not a slapstick comedy. This is not broad humor. This is a very very subtle, um, very very dark, uncomfortable humor in times. You know when you're when you're laughing at people talking about murdering people, it 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 is it is funny, but it is it's not funny. So, well, so one of the great pivotal parts of this story, and we talked about it a little. They changed the venue. Now, as we said, a prosecution will change the venue when they, when usually when the defendant is a real scumbag and they know that nobody is going to give him a fair trial. Uh, but in this case, every single person in that town would not have have raised a finger against Bernie for shooting that old witch. Yeah. They even have a scene in the in the restaurant again. No, in the, in the uh, they even have a scene in the convenience store where the, the clerk checking Ber- Danny Buck out and the lady standing next to him said, well, I won't serve in that that jury. If I do, I'm going to acquit him. Yeah. yeah, they basically, everyone <laughs> in the town is telling the, the, the prosecutor, like, look, no, Bernie is not going to jail. So they cut to our good friend, Sonny. And so Sonny Carl Davis has got his, still got his come and take it hat on, God bless him. And he starts talking about, you know what? They had to move it 50 miles away to St. Augustine. And then he starts kicking out epitaphs about <laughs> how inbred, backwoods, like just just casting loads of aspersions on these people. Yeah, no And the, the opening argument that Danny Buck makes is he talks about like, he tries to put Bernie in the light of someone who took advantage of this woman, spent her money and all this stuff. And he's talking about, he asked him, well, what, what fork do you eat with this? And what uh, what kind of wine do you have with fish? So Sonny comes back and says, "Fish, oh, those those St. Augustine people, they drink warm beer with fried mud cat. They wouldn't know a fork <laughs> if it bit them." You know, I mean, he's like he's just saying all this horrible stuff about these. So you yeah. know, and that is again, uh, I I love I, movies about Texas where Texas is really a character of the movie, and East Texas is a character in this movie. And there's this weird allegiance people have to their towns and their areas. Yeah. Because for those of you who live outside of Texas, I think you look at us and you think like, all those Texans are crazy and they just love Texans. And the thing is that, or we just love Texas, but we all love Texas. That doesn't mean we all love each other. And, you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, you go to College Station, you ask people about Austin, they can have a little different opinion about people from Austin yeah. than the good people from Pflugerville. So, right. you know, I think... And, and and to be fair, Carthage, I've been to Carthage. It's not exactly Paris. <laughs> it's not even Paris, Texas, much less Paris, France. Well, he, there's there's a true story <laughs> not... part of this. He he had a, uh, a friend in town who wanted to start, uh, a, open a clothing company. And so Bernie thought, like, you know, he was going to... He gave him money to open this store, and he said, you know, I want this to be the Neiman Marcus of Carthage. And he opened Boot Scootin' Western Wear. And that's a true story. Like, this guy really did take the money yeah. and opened a Western Wear shop. And But Bernie was, like, thinking, like, oh, we'll have, like, a Neiman Marcus in town. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a smaller town with smaller ambitions, I guess you might say. But, but uh, you know, anyway. 
Right. So the, the movie ends with Bernie in prison, um, and the people there's still people that love him, and some of the little old ladies still write to him, and they come to see him, and and, and that's just kind of where the film sort of ends. Ah, but where does the history pick up, my friend? Right. Well, so the movie itself was was about a success. It it only cost six million dollars to make, which is great, and it made ten million dollars. So it made. You know, it made $4 million profit. It's not bad. It wasn't really heavily advertised or anything, so it kind of came and went, but it got pretty good reviews, and especially for Jack Black, and the eccentricities of the non-professional cast got really good notice. And since the movie came out, things have changed a bit for Linkletter and his cast and for Bernie himself. Now, Matt McConaughey, as we all know, won an Oscar for Dallas Buyers. And then Linkletter received an Oscar nomination for the movie Boyhood. This was a movie that he filmed in small parts over a 14-year period, including the time he was working on Bernie. And then, uh, of course, Jack Black has made more movies, as well as a new Tenacious D album, which I'm sure Mike owns. For those not living in Texas, again, we talk about Texas Monthly. It's kind of a it's kind of a thing here as a magazine about our state. Yeah. Uh, it's a real it's good, like <laughs> like the New York Times. Or the New Yorker, some kind of fancy, fancy pants magazine. But anyway, they did a bunch of articles around this. There was a lot of interest, and the movie got, um, the movie has changed Bernie Tita's life. Uh, so, with help from the director Richard Linklater, Bernie got new lawyers, and then they started working on trying to get him released from prison. Bernie met with a Baylor College of Medicine professor of psychiatry, Dr. Robert Peskoff, who uncovered that Bernie had suffered from years of sexual abuse as a child at the hands of his uncle. And it was Peskov's opinion that the increasingly controlling and possessive relationship with Mrs. Nugent became similarly abusive to Bernie. And this triggered a dissociative episode when he killed Marjorie. You know, he says it himself. He's like, he didn't even realize what he'd done until it was over. And the, you know, he just... It was, it was a result of, of this abuse and stress he'd suffered as a child. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, Bernie's lawyer sent the report to Danny Buck Davidson as he was the prosecuting attorney and the district attorney where he was, pro, where he was prosecuted. Uh, and Danny Buck said he could have thrown it in the garbage, but he actually read it. And then he had his own psychological expert from that trial look at it. And this expert concurred with Dr. Pesikoff's diagnosis. And... Danny Buck says he recognized that if he'd known this evidence during the trial, he wouldn't have sought a life sentence for Bernie. They actually found uh, one of Bernie's cousins or another child that knew his uncle who also suffered the same abuse. Um, Bernie had no history of violence before the killing. And in fact, since then, he's a model prisoner during his incarceration. And even in the movie, they talked about he's leading the Sunday school. He's teaching classes to other students, I mean, to other inmates. So he's cooking. Yeah, he's cooking with other inmates. And now the irony is that an ironic point is that Danny Buck finally seemed to be on Bernie's side. Now the interesting thing also is that the opinions in the town of Carthage have changed, you know, practically 180 degrees from uh, 1999 when all of this happened. According to a 2014 article in the Houston Chronicle, Danny Buck is quoted as saying, Fifteen years later, this group of folks giving me hell, most are in the cemetery. The ones that are left, they saw a movie where a man killed an old lady and put her in a freezer and went on ahead and kept spending her money. They think he should never get out. Still, Danny Buck persevered with his belief that there were mitigating circumstances to Bernie's case. He pushed for the state to accept a conditional release for Bernie, pending a new sentencing trial. Believing that it was entirely likely that if this evidence 
had been presented at the time, it would have resulted in a much reduced sentence. We're supposed to do the right thing, he said. You should never be afraid to follow truth wherever it leads you. Remember, that's my deal. Justice, not prosecuting. In late 2014, Bernie was released from prison on the condition that Linkletter would be responsible for him and that he would get uh, court-directed counseling. Bernie moved into and now lives in a garage apartment behind Linkletter's Austin home where he's awaiting his new trial. Kind of an interesting thing here is Danny Buck makes a point, and he specifically said, I'd have gone for second-degree murder, and that's 20 years. And, or 18 to 20 years, and he's like, he served 17 years when he got out, so he, he'd he be getting out now anyway, even if he'd had just prosecuted him for second-degree murder. So it's kind of an interesting um, twist. Now, this is a controversy, as you can imagine, and it's interesting that the two major newspapers in Texas, the Houston Chronicle and the Dallas Morning News, have taken opposite sides in this story, much as the people from Carthage and St. Augustine. The Chronicle seems to have taken a favorable stance to Bernie's case and to Danny Buck. The Morning News reporter Todd Robertson's opinion blog has taken a strong stance against Bernie, the movie, and Danny Buck Davidson. Robertson reported that the Nugent family's claim that prior to the murder, Bernie had stole millions of dollars from Marjorie's accounts and that he acted to prevent from being uncovered, which is to say that his actions were premeditated and the whole thing was a cover-up. In yet another twist of this story, Danny Buck has agreed with the Nugent family's request to recuse himself from the trial. They claim that it's because he's no longer unbiased due to his association with Linkletter's film and with his statements about his belief in Bernie's claims. Assistant State Attorney General Lisa Tanner was appointed by the state as special prosecutor, and since 2014, the legal back and forth with the state, the Nugent family, and Bernie's defense team has been pretty heated. Most recently, the trial judge has granted a notion, filed by both sides, to move the trial outside of Carthage. Both (laughs) sides agree that even today, they still can't get an impartial jury in Carthage for Bernie T.D. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Quite quite a story. You know, this is is kind of an interesting thing because this is uh, art meets life meets history. I mean, you know, we're talking about uh, events that happen. Uh, you know, these events that happened, this kind of interesting piece of it. But, you know, the fact that uh, Linklater made this movie has created all of this interest and potentially freed this man and in some ways even exonerated him. Um, Now, I'll I'll ask two questions about the movie uh, before we wrap up today. So I'm going to ask two questions. One, um... Watching the movie, did you find yourself rooting for Bernie or against Bernie? I wasn't really rooting for anybody. I was just enjoying the ride. I mean, I didn't take sides in the story. I was just enthralled by all of the many characters. I mean, he shot her. Nobody's arguing that he shot her. So, you know, I can't really be on Bernie's side. I'm going to take another position in that. Bernie is a made into a sympathetic character in in every way you can't help but feel like for the liking for this person not admiration but you can't help but like this person and you can't help but like that the town loved him so yeah true i mean yeah you're right as the the character in the film it was extremely difficult not to like him I, I, and i i agree like when i read that part of 
people have seen the movie and they're they see him as this criminal. I was like, Jack Black's adorable. Like he's great. Right. He's 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 so warm and and wonderful. Like I I I had a hard time. I was I was taken away back when it happened. So I you know I don't know that I root for Bernie. I mean murders murders bad, but I was also like, <laughs> you know, gosh, like you know she was mean. Shirley McLean, hey, and Shirley McLean, we didn't give any praise her. Divine in this role, wonderful. She oh, yeah. was, she played a mean, yeah. horrible woman. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm interested to know, and you may know because you read more of the detail than I did. I mostly just watched the movie. Um, the scene where, um, well, we we mentioned that he talked to a psychiatrist and all that. That that happened after the movie yes. was shot. Yes. Okay. Well, that moment in the film when Jack Black as Bernie um, shoots Marjorie, he played that exactly like I would imagine um, that sort of psychotic break would occur. Mm -hmm. It's like it it happened, he shot her, and then instantly it was like someone else had done it and he just happened to come across her, right? It's like, so I don't know what internally Jack Black was thinking as Mm -hmm. motivation for his character in that scene, but I I, I just find it interesting that that scene played out exactly how I would imagine that sort of thing to happen. He just say the devil made me do it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I haven't haven't gotten into that much detail either. The nice thing is, is on YouTube, there is a lot of clips talking to Linklater, talking to Jack Black, talking to Bernie, talking to the people that were in the film about the story. Now, there's a very interesting video from from YouTube, and it's about a 10-minute mini short documentary about the reactions in Carthage to this movie. And we'll put it on, we'll put a link to it on uh, our, our page. But it seems to me like some of the town really took a lot of issue with like words being put in their mouth, opinions being put in their mouth by these by these Hollywood types. Even though this is not a Hollywood movie, to people in Carthage, this is a Hollywood yeah. movie. Well, I think any I mean, movie have, is a Hollywood movie. You have you have three major stars <laughs> coming in. You know, never mind that it only costs six million dollars and all these people work for scale. Um, but there was some umbrage, I think, taken in taking for granted like th- that this town universally loved him. When, when, as Danny Buck said, most of the people that loved him are gone. Right. They've, they've passed away. And the people that that didn't necessarily know him or maybe were a young were younger then and didn't have an opinion about it you know, have changed their stance or, or just now adopted a stance about the situation. So, but I encourage everybody to watch that. But, you know, maybe there was, there was certainly, there was certainly something that Linklater saw in Bernie that didn't add up in terms of there was, there was more to the story. Well, what I like is, um, is a, there's a nice moment at the end of the film. So if you watch it through the credits, uh, so, tip of the hat to wonderful credit production because they actually show a little um, video montage of each of the um, character actors, the local actors get a final shot in the credits where they actually show some video of them working. There's a real shot where you see the real Bernie sitting there talking and then it pans over and you see he's talking to Jack Black and you actually see them sort of face to face and you get this like, okay, it you watch this movie, you saw this happen, but it really brings the connection that Oh, this man's in prison, and this person I've been watching for for almost two hours 
you know, really actually met the man and then is telling you his story. So there's a nice little, I thought it was a nice end to that film to sort of show a grounding to the people you're talking to. I'm going to ask what I think is, um, I'm a, Sean and I are a big fan of How Did This Get Made, a delicious movie podcast. So I have to ask the question they ask every week. Would this film be better with Nicolas Cage in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Even as I don't the, think uh, so. as the angry I'd... Danny Buck prosecutor going full cage? <laughs> Texas Cage? I haven't. <laughs> no, I, I think Nicolas Cage's um, current uh, over-the-top uh, method mm. of performance would uh, be uh, greatly out of place in this quaint little uh, subtle comedy. What would have been a different film? I think we can agree to disagree, Scott. Uh, <laughs> Black, Linklater, McConaughey, McLean, or uh, Sonny Carl Davis. If you're listening, drop us a line on Twitter. Shoot us a Facebook message. Say howdy. We love the movie. Keep up the good work. And celebrate Texas. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstaple.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. We'd like to give a big shout out to our good friend James Abendroth for helping to research and write today's episode and turning us on to the wonderful story of Bernie Tita. You can find him on Twitter at Blackguard Press or read more of his fiction work at BlackguardPress.com. We know you love this show. We know you love Texas, no matter which part you're from. So tell your friends and please leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out and find new listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Thank you.